Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. And welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to continue our discussion with contributors from our brand new book, Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse. And as you might imagine, that's today's little pre-work commercial. If you have not heard about this book, I'd love for you guys to go check it out on Amazon or New Growth Press. It's titled, once again, Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse, A Guide Toward Protection, Refuge, and Hope. And on today's episode of the podcast, I have two contributors, but more importantly, two of my friends, Kirsten Christensen and Darby Strickland are here on the PeaceWorks podcast to talk a little bit about what God is doing through this work. Uh, Kirsten, I wanted to start with you. Um, I'd mentioned this to Darby, and she had talked a little bit about this. Uh, we were so glad to introduce you to some of our readers, but you know, Darby, myself, Joy, Greg, uh, we've all contributed in different ways to this work. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why a book like this was so important considering how rich Darby's work has been and how great a job Greg and Jeremy did and how others have contributed. I would just love to hear maybe what are your thoughts about getting involved in this book and why a book like this was even needed? Sure. Uh, The short answer is my good friend, Shannon, who is from Alabama, her daddy says that all of us are smarter than one of us. And I knew you would appreciate that, Chris. (laughs) I absolutely do. (laughs) So, um, or in the Bible, the way they say it is, there is wisdom in the counsel of many. So um, I kind of like the way Alabama says it, but there you go. Um, The the Alabama standard version. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, we're off to a roaring good start here, aren't we? (laughs) Roll Tide, I've got to say it now, but anyway. <laughs> um, I think it's super important for a number of reasons. I do think that all of those books that you've written are standards uh, for the, the topic. Um, I think where this book is a super big help is to have differing voices coming together. So I love, you know, if you, we, we talk to each other every month. Um, the five of us, and we know where we differ and we know where our sensibilities might be a little bit different, but we also know that what brings us together is far more than what um, separates us in terms of how we would do things. Um, And so I think to have a resource like that, that has differing voices that might have differing um, sensibilities in certain places is really good. And I also think we each have a certain I think there's overlap for sure, but I think we all have certain roles that we functioned more in. So for instance, Joy has been what, you know, came out of an abusive marriage, but then her primary ministry is advocacy. Um, For Darby and I, um, we share, there's an overlap of, we counsel a lot of women who have been abused or Uh trying to come out of abuse. So we have that, but then I also have, the um, experience of having started um, domestic abuse ministry in a church, in a local church, yeah. and also consulting across the United States with churches doing that. 
you've been a pastor as well as you've worked in the secular range. And then Greg has worked with a lot of abusive men. And so, and then Beth has probably done a a variety of those things as well. I think she counsels women. Um, And so all of those different voices together allowed us to come in and even put that chapter in about let's work a case. Yeah. So having team-based responses is a huge win for all of us. And that was one of the things we wanted to model in caring for families caught in domestic abuse was the need and maybe the benefit of a team-based response and and an element that a lot of our team-based responses don't have because so many of us are leading teams in someone else's church because it's a new field for them is to have a care coordinator. And that's something that Kirsten brings to the table. And before we, we jump into her chapter, which Darby, I think I'm going full disclosure to our listeners I think the price of the book, it's totally worth Kirsten's chapter and Beth's chapter in, in, in two reasons. They're relatively new voices in the written space for some of our readers, but also the topics that they cover might seem controversial to some, but are absolutely necessary to all. And that's Beth's chapter on trauma and Kirsten's chapter on church-based responses. And so, Darby, having a care coordinator position in our book and having somebody speak to a church-based response, what are your thoughts as a counselor on having that chapter in the book? And then I'm going to ask Kirsten about it, but I'd love to get your thoughts on having Kirsten's chapter in the book on church-based responses. I loved it. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I started out in this um, writing was actually I wanted to train churches so that they could care for their victims well. And the church churches that I was interacting with didn't have the language. They couldn't map it onto scripture. And now that they're understanding the problem, they need a process, right? Because now they're getting involved and it's so easy to get overwhelmed. Um, And how do we do discipline? And what does this look like? And how do we think of victims in that process? And so, yeah, I'm just a huge fan of that chapter. It's hugely important. Um, And it's something that I've been advocating for that the church can really do this well if they know how to do it well. Yeah. yeah, we're so thankful for you, Kirsten. And there's two things I want to cover from that. We Obviously, we can't cover everything. We certainly want people to read the book. And it was a laborious chapter. It was a lot of work. And Darby and I have, have been right alongside in many ways in the writing of that chapter and are so thrilled to see it in print. But one thing I, I really wanted to start with was just the centrality of leadership. And you talk about Uh, getting leadership buy-in. Can you speak to our listeners just a little bit about why leadership buy-in in in a local church is so essential to this work? Yeah. Well, I just think like in any ministry that you do in church, I mean, domestic abuse ministry is a thing in and of itself, but it also is just, it's just one way that we minister to God's flock, right? That the elders um, or whatever your leadership structure in your church Whatever is going on for the congregants, for the flock, is what you need to be able to minister to. And so whether that you have somebody who is completely steeped in porn, or whether you have a family with um, sibling sexual abuse, or whether you have a family where somebody is going to jail because they've um, been stealing money from their employer, uh, these things come up because the church is full of sinners. And um, we know that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So domestic abuse is just another thing that is going to come up in the church. And you can quibble about the statistics 
we can go back and forth about that. But the reality is, is that it shouldn't be a surprise that domestic abuse happens in the church. And so then leaders have to be aware as as that comes to the surface, okay, how do we minister to that? And I think the first piece is we always hear about top-down leadership, right? So what happens kind of on the in in the in the rest of the body, the the leaders lead. Um, Christ is the head of the church, the elders are responsible, will give an answer. Um, and what makes it tricky is that um how do I say this succinctly is that elders have a wide, just like the rest of us in the body, elders have a wide variety of competencies and giftings and trainings. And so I think I've seen where a church does not do a good job of getting training first and really making sure that every elder has a, that there's an agreed upon definition or a couple of definitions and that there's an agreed upon process that everybody feels good about and feels like this is biblical, this is right, we can work this. When that doesn't happen, when things get out in front of um, your leadership, then the the flock gets hurt. The people who actually need help get get hurt worse. You know, we've said for many years, there's no perfect intervention and uh, there's no perfect process. But one of the things that I have valued about this chapter and something, listeners, I, I want you to hear uh, from us is Kirsten lays out a potential process that you can implement in your church. And even as she said, it's got to be agreed upon. Maybe you're going to tweak it. Maybe you're going to take it and kind of move some pieces around. But if you don't have a process in place and you haven't thought through a process, uh, the odds are you're going to mismanage a case. And so, Kirsten, you chose Matthew 18 as kind of a framework to help kind of walk leaders through a process of discipline. And without spoiling the book and giving away all the deets to everybody who's listening in, why do you think it's important for elders to have a scriptural process, whether they choose Matthew 18 or not? Why is a scriptural process important for them as elders, as opposed to just winging it or making case-by-case decisions? Well, um, why is it important? I'm again, trying to think succinct. Um, I think the first thing is because that the more that everybody knows um, how things are going to roll out, it's better. And even more so, it's better for the people who are receiving the care. Yes. One of the things that we've found over and over again is that, um, so for instance, even now, um, as we work, I, I'm working with a church um, on one of the coasts, and I I think that they didn't really lay out for the for the couple what the process was for each one of them, and so they sort of enter into this labyrinth, almost like a maze yeah. um, that they're contributing to in certain ways, but they don't know where they're headed, and they don't know what the benchmarks are, they don't know what they can expect. Um, or what's expected of them. And that is always frustrating and you can get very easily lost and, and it causes harm. And I, yeah, I just want to add to like for leaders, if they can look scripturally that God has already told us what to do when certain things happen, 
we can move through things with such more com- much more confidence. So it's in scripture, right? And Kirsten just does such a great job of drawing. These are the principles. These are the truths. Mm-hmm. These are these are the moments, the decision points. And this is how we can anchor them in scripture. And it just gives the church more unity yeah. um, and the freedom to then do some hard things, right? Abuse ministry, you bump into some hard topics and hard decisions, separation, divorce, repentance, right? These, these are things that we typically want to wrestle with really carefully. Leaders have a, a big burden. So the more we anchor those things in scripture, the more confidence that they have. This is what the Lord is saying. Right. I have yeah. already used a principle from that chapter in an actual case. It benefited the pastoral team so much because now they have a biblical framework when which they can kind of operate. And then they can point back to the stages of development in their initial confrontation, in the counseling process, and eventually in the disciplinary process that will allow them to communicate clearly to their congregation. So folks, you're going to want to pick up the book, uh, Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse, and you're going to want to check out this chapter on church-based responses. And there's a lot of you want to check out in the book, just because the authors are um, uh, have so much rich content that they want to share with you. And you know, one of that, some of that content, and I know Kirsten's going to uh, agree with me, I hope anyway, For years, I have been reading and listening to our friend Darby talk about the littlest victims and speaking to children, and we we got it in print. She wrote a chapter on on children, and not only that, if you don't know this, Darby's new book uh, is going to be out pretty soon. I believe it's called Something Scary Happened, and it's an actual children's book. So, Darby, I don't want to leave without letting you address a little bit about the work you did on children in our book, but also to plug this incredible children's book. Well, this children's book was birthed when I was writing the chapter for your book, actually, because I'm so right. A a child growing up in this environment is often forgotten, right? There's so much going on, but they're actually being traumatized. And so many parents that I work with, they don't even know how to talk to their children about this. They don't know how to talk to their children about how they're doing, who the Lord is in this mess. And so I was scouring, looking for resources. And I was like, I just didn't find one. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Lord was gracious um, and just allowed me the opportunity. Little sheep named Miles. um, And he meets his great shepherd in the dark valley. And it's just a great way to talk to children about the trauma and who the Lord is in the midst of it and how their little bodies respond to it. So actually I can give you thanks to you for having this project because it birthed another really fun project well, for me. Praise the Lord for that. I thoroughly, I have read uh, something scary happened. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I cannot wait to get copies for my littlest friends uh, and let them have uh, a crack at it. And then also rumor has it, there's an actual miles plushie that's going to be around. Super excited. I haven't met him yet, but I've seen, I've I've seen him through the zoom room. So he's very adorable. (laughs) Fantastic. And no no plushies with our book though, that would be weird, but we do want to point you back to that. Uh, We're so thankful for you ladies and for everybody who contributed, as I've said before, you know, the contributors were many, but the truths are essential and they're also unified. We don't agree on everything, Um, But we certainly do lock arms on this. So Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse, A Guide Towards Protection, Refuge, and a Hope. You guys are going to want to get a copy of that book soon. Ladies, thank you so much for being part of the PeaceWorks podcast and sharing just a little bit, a little glimpse 
of what God is doing through this uh, incredible new book. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, let the platform you're listening on know that you value the PeaceWorks podcast. And be sure to head over to New Growth Press or Amazon or wherever you buy your books and pick up a copy of Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse. Until next time, friends, God bless.